You may not know what's going on, but God does. And if God puts something on your heart, a country, a city, or a person, a missionary, you should pray for them. Even if you don't know any specifics, uh, there is most likely something that they're in need of. And so pray, God, let God lead you in those prayers. But we thank you so much for all the support that you and many churches in America uh, have for us, money, but also prayers. And uh, we thank you for that very much. Now in Mark chapter 12, let's get right to our message. Somebody asked me if we have time for questions. And uh, the answer is probably no. Uh, but afterwards I do. And Sunday I'll be around. And uh, I told, uh, I think I told his brother Chuck, I think I told, if you tell me what the questions are ahead of time, then I can decide whether I want to come and answer those questions or not. And so... <laughs> so you may not want to tell me ahead of time. Mark chapter 12, um, we'll try to go through this quickly. And I say quickly because uh, uh, in Cambodia, this was a four-sermon series. So we'll try not to make it that long. So it'll be quickly, uh, no matter what. And so in Mark chapter 12, and we see in the end of verse 28, here's a man that asks, uh, Jesus Christ, a question, which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus Christ, in verse 29, he answers him, the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for your word. I pray that you'd help us as we uh, open your word today. I pray you'd use your word to reprove us, correct us, um, Lord, instruct us, help us to love you better, help us love you more. Lord, I pray you'd even, I pray you'd use your word in my heart tonight. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us not just to be good listeners, but Lord, help us to be good doers and help us to change. Lord, speak to us, show us each at least one thing that we could do better at or that we need to change. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Now you see here the, the very first uh, thing here in verse 29, I'm sorry, verse 30, it says that thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. What I believe here you see heart and mind is used later in this verse. Often in the Bible you'll see the word heart and mind used interchangeably. And so here in this verse, there are two different Greek words. And I believe that's because they have two different meanings here in this verse. And the heart is the seat of emotion. And God wants us, I believe, to love him with our emotions. He wants us to get excited about him. Um, when uh, when uh, Kaylin and Blake were saying their vows, you could see Kaylin was excited and she was so excited. But we found out on the day of the wedding, what she loved the most, because when she got the most excited was when Blake promised to take her to Chick-fil-A, okay? And she was super excited. I don't know if it was because she got to go to Chick-fil-A or that Blake said it, actually. So, but, uh, but there was emotion involved. I'm glad for that. I'm glad she, uh, she loves Blake. Uh, we pray that God would continue to help her, give her grace to love Blake. But, uh, but God wants us to get excited. I remember in Bible college, I had a teacher. His name was Keith Kaiser. And uh, we went to Crown College the first year they opened up. And it was, I loved, I loved going to school there because really small classes. 
Some of our Bible classes were six people. Uh, some of them, I think some of the biggest ones I had uh, were 12 people. And, and I, I loved that. That was great. And brother, you couldn't get around uh, the teacher not knowing you did your, uh, that you did your homework or didn't know your homework. He knew who, everybody. And you were going to get called on in class multiple times. So, but I remember Brother Kaiser, uh, the thing he taught me that uh, most is this. We'd be studying a passage of scripture and he'd read a, a verse and he'd start getting excited and he'd say, Woo, boys! And he'd start rubbing his arms and he'd say, Isn't that good? Woo, I got goosebumps! I'd be like, Wow. I think he's genuinely excited about this. And he taught me that we're supposed to get excited about God's word. I know it wasn't the first time he'd read the verse. I know it wasn't the first time he even understood the verse. The man had been in England and been a missionary and started a church there. He, he'd pastored a church when he was in college, and I believe it was Cleveland, Tennessee. He, he taught at Bible college before Crown had opened up another Bible college. It, it wasn't the first time he saw the Bible, but he still got excited about that same Bible. And sometimes we grow cold. And we say, do I have to sing this song again? Yeah, the same song because it has the same truth in it that should get ex you excited every time. And so we need to get excited about God. We need to love him with our heart. We need to rejoice in the Lord. The pastor talked about this just a little earlier. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. What are we rejoicing in? What are we excited about? What do we have joy in? The Lord. When, uh, when I was young, I didn't grow up in a, a Christian atmosphere, a Christian home, uh, um, we grew up in a very musical family. My, my brother uh, played music, and he taught me how to play music, and he would teach me how to get people excited, how to make them move, dance. And I remember him teaching me one time, making people move around and get excited, and I thought that was kind of cool how the music could literally control people. Music's very influential. And music can get you excited, now, I am not saying music can't get you excited and music can't, like, uh, instigate you to be excited even about the Lord. It can. But you shouldn't always need that. If you can't get excited about the Lord without, let me say, the crescendos, without all of the hype, then your excitement about the Lord really isn't any more special than the excitement the world has for uh, sha-na-na-na, or if that's how the words go. I, I forget the words sometimes to that. That was my mom's era. What I'm saying is words that mean nothing. And people get so excited about words that mean nothing because of the drums or the guitars or the music. They get excited. Now, what I'm saying is if you can't get excited without the crescendos, if you have to have that, then there's something wrong with your emotions. You should be able to pick up the Bible and start reading it. There should be time. I know not every time. When I'm reading through Leviticus, I have a hard time getting excited. I'll be honest with you. But there should be times in your life, there should be times in this month, there should be times in this week that, man, that's good. That's exciting. Yeah, but nobody was playing music. I couldn't hear any harmonies or anything. 
I love music. I think music's good. Do you know why we have music in front of the church? I, the reason I do music for the church is I try to do music to get people emotionally around to the sermon because we don't always all come in here every time ready to hear God's word. We, me too. But we shouldn't always be that way. God wants us to love him with all of our heart. He wants to get excited. And when we pray, sometimes we should pray with tears in our eyes. Lord, bless Johnny, bless Mary, bless Lucy. <laughs> now, the Lord wants us to enjoy talking to him, enjoy being with him. Now, those times shouldn't only be when there's crescendos, as I say. But the Lord also wants us to love him with all of our soul. And uh, God loved us that way. In Romans 5, 8, uh, the Bible tells us that God commendeth or showed his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now, when we were still sinners, what that means is God was not pleased with us. We were very displeasing to God. Matter of fact, we still sometimes are very displeasing to God. He is very displeased with sin. He is very displeased with rebellion. The Bible says, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. So before you were saved to put your faith in Christ, God was very displeased with you and me. But during that time when God was still displeased with us, yet he still loved us enough that he gave his life for us. He still did what was best for us. You know, sometimes it doesn't feel good <laughs> to read the Bible. I don't feel like it. Sometimes it doesn't feel good. Like, I'm not all excited about prayer time. I don't know if any of you have ever had this. I'm a missionary. Uh, so they call me pastor in Cambodia, so I'm also a pastor. I teach pastors, and there are times, I confess, that I don't feel like going to church. What? Yeah. You know why? Because the heart is deceitfully wicked. But when we know what we're supposed to do, we still do it. Because we know what God has for us. And we make a commitment. I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. Well, until I don't want to anymore. No, no turning back. Well, what about when you're discouraged? No, we're gonna follow Jesus. What about when you're sad? No, I'm still gonna follow Jesus. It's easy to make a decision when everything's hyped up and excited and there's a lot of emotional things going on. It's a whole other thing that when your heart that changes all the time, your feelings are constantly up and down to still obey Jesus. 1999, I'm sorry, it was 1998, I believe, when we met Sua. She came to the church the first time, sat on my right. She was about 18, 19 years old. And I found out later she was a witch doctor's daughter. Went to visit her home, talked to her dad. He said that she could come to church. Her mom also started coming to church. Her younger siblings started coming to church. I didn't really understand what was going on at their house at first, but he would often be demon-possessed. And uh, I remember one day, kids' service, we'd have kids and teenagers come one service, and she showed up, and none of her younger siblings were with her. And I went to meet her at the gate of the church, and I asked her, I said, so where are your, we say, Pa'o and Pa'o, and your, 
younger siblings. And she said, Pastor, each of us have to take our own beatings. And I thought, well, that's kind of a strange answer. I said, I don't understand. What are you talking about? She said, Pastor, if I come to church, my dad beats me. If my younger siblings come to church, my dad beats them. She said, I can't take their beating for them. And today, they didn't want to get beat, so they stayed home. And then she said it again. Each of us have to take our own beatings. Well, I was just kind of like standing there, like not breathing, because I hadn't realized what was going on. She walked past me, went in the church. I walked around the corner and said, Lord, I need you to give something to Sue through the, through the message today and the service today because I don't have anything that's worth a beating. I need you to give her something that she's going to get beat for when she goes home for coming to church today. Many times Sue would get beat. She, she got beat many times because she wouldn't marry someone who was not a Christian, which I do believe it's important for Christians to marry Christians. She thought it was important enough to get beat. Many times we had to take, well, at least one time, we had to take her to the hospital because she'd been beat so bad for refusing to marry someone who was not a Christian. Probably one of the worst times I knew she's not walking well, something's wrong. My wife and I sat down with her and I said, Sue, what is going on? She said, Pastor, I don't want you to worry about it. And I said, well, I want to know what's going on. She said, well, people come to my house to see my dad to get spells and I follow them home, and I follow them home to see where they live. Once I know where they live, then I get some of the tracks and stuff that you give us at church, and I go back to their house to tell them about Jesus. I said, but they tell my dad. And my dad's upset, and he, he beats me. I said, how many times have you done this? She told me she'd been to a lot of different houses of his customers, if you will. And, and I said, Sue, this is... This is a missionary who is there to teach them about faith and love and Christ, but then gets taught love and faith from his people. I said, Sue, there are so many people in Phnom Penh. Why don't you just go tell someone else about Jesus? And she said, with tears in her eyes, she said, Pastor, those people come to my house, and all they get from my dad is darkness, and I have the light. How can I just let them go back home and not give them the light? Missionary put in check. So uh, decided to follow Jesus. Was it hard? Yeah. Sometimes she'd come to our house unexpectedly telling my wife and I, I'm done. I quit. I can't follow God anymore. And we learned about Sue. Just let her talk. And she would start talking. She would start telling me the reasons about how hard it is. And then pretty soon she'd be starting telling me, well, if I stop, my younger siblings might stop. And then there's these people that won't hear about Jesus. And pretty soon she's telling me, Pastor, I can't stop following Jesus. I have to keep following Jesus. Like it was my idea. Okay, like she was going to stop. And she would say, I can't stop. I have to. Yes, you do. That's right. I'm with you. I'm with you on that. No turning back. The Bible also tells us we're supposed to love God with all of our mind. The Bible says here in verse, it's in verse 30, 
Love the Lord God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. I believe in today's world, one of the greatest battles is for the mind. We get so distracted uh, with uh, smartphones. They're dumbing us down. I don't know why they call them smartphones, but they keep dumbing people down. The worst thing about smartphones is how, how much they can distract us from God. And we can come to church and our mind be on what the news is. And we want to look at our phones. We don't want to look at our Bibles. And I know you got Bibles on your phones too. I use the Bible on my phone. Uh, one of the main reasons I use the Bible on my phone is because I can't make the print in this Bible bigger just by doing that, okay? And this one's great. It's like, man, I can't read that right now. Bigger. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. I do that all the time. And but you can also get distracted. You can get distracted by people. You can get distracted by news. You can get distracted by work. You can get distracted by money. But God wants us for our mind to be stayed upon him, like it says in Isaiah 26.3. And I would remind you that in Psalms 8, verse 4, that the Bible says that God is mindful of us. Matter of fact, just let me read that verse to you real quick. And in Psalms 8, 4, it says, what is man that thou art mindful of him and the son of man that thou visitest him? It's amazing. And the psalmist is amazed that the creator God is actually full of thoughts. His mind is full of thoughts towards the psalmist, towards me. Now that's amazing that God can have a mind full of thoughts to each one of us. And yet each one of us, we really don't have that much to think about if we compare ourselves to God. We don't have much to think about at all. But yet we can't concentrate and have a mind full of thoughts about him. It should be a whole lot easier for me to think about God than for God to think about me. Well, then again, he's God. (laughs) God is worthy of your thoughts. He's worthy of your mind. I, I'll be honest, I have a problem with video games. My problem with video games isn't that I hate them. My problem with video games is if I start to play one, I don't want to stop. So we've had young people, teenagers, people who are older than my son, through going up, and they introduced me to this, and they wanted me to play this video game. And actually, at one point, one guy brought a computer to the church with a video game on it. And I try not to have video games on my computers because I know that they'll just get me distracted. But I start playing the video game, and then before I know it, it's like a whole hour has gone by. Like, okay, this is a problem. And then what's really a problem is I stop playing it, and I'm still thinking about it. Like, man, it's in my brain. So I was like, okay, it was with T. Blake probably remembers. With T, take the computer out off the property before I destroy it. Was there something wicked evil about that game? No, but there was a problem with how it was controlling so much of my mind. Now, that can happen through a lot of different things. But we want to protect our mind and our thoughts and protect them for God. Now, yeah, if there's wicked, evil things you're thinking about, yeah, that's sin. But if there's something that's distracting you and your mind is full of things so much that there's not much room for God anymore. You have a place for God. You have a devotional time where I'm going to think about God at this time. I'm going to go to church and think about God at that time. But besides that, I'm thinking about something else. God becomes a distraction to your life instead of God being the main focus of your life. That's, man, 
I need her to sit on the front row. She could help me. <laughs> Seriously, that, that, is, that is great to have feedback. Thank you for listening. <laughs> we have one more point. We need to be done. Love God with all of your strength. Now, I personally believe this is dealing with uh, willing to be just wore out for God. <laughs> Use your strength. Serve him. You know the Bible, more than it says love God with all of your heart and all your soul, it says serve him with all of your heart and all your soul. More times it says love him. When uh, I was at the public school, <coughs> I, I played football. I love football. I know it looked at me and said, what did you do in football? You a water boy? You a little guy. Um, <laughs> so we went to a small school and uh, my 10th grade year, we had about 18 guys on the team at the beginning of the year, and, and they took one to the varsity, and then they took another one to the varsity, and then we had a few people get hurt, and before we knew it, halfway through the season, we were down to 13 guys, and so I was one of them who never came off the field, which there was most of us never came off the field, and we'd play all the way through, special teams, offense, defense, and this other team would come on, and across the field from us would be 50 guys. We did well for the first half almost every game but we lost every game that year. About halfway through the season, the coach came to us and said, hey, guys, talk to the varsity coach, and if you guys want to call the season quit, the season quits, we're gonna, we'll cancel the rest of the games. All you guys will go up to varsity. Well, the varsity had plenty of people on that team. We all knew we'd sit on the bench on varsity, or we could play and lose in JV. Coach left the room, and we all talked, all of us, well, except for a couple guys. All of us, a couple guys said, we'll be on the varsity. I was like, shut up. We'll be on the varsity? <laughs> Bench warmer. That's what we're doing on varsity. We said, we'd rather play and lose than sit and win because we love playing a game. Man, we just play, play, play. And we, I remember coach saying, leave it all on the field. And we would. We would just go and go and go. I loved it. It was great. And then I left, 11th to 12th grade, I went to a Christian school. They didn't have football. They had soccer. I never understood soccer. I still don't understand soccer. I never liked soccer. Chasing a ball around a the field. They don't let me knock people down. I just, <laughs> it's like, seriously? Like, I can't knock them My friend who came from the public school with me played goalie. They let him knock people down. But I couldn't knock people down. This just wasn't fair. This wasn't, wasn't fair. I would go to the coach because we'd play. We didn't want to come off the field in football. I'd go to the coach and say, hey, coach, you want to put somebody in for me? <laughs> I'm ready to go off. I, and he'd say, Rodney, run. I'm like, you run. I don't want to run after that ball. I run down there. They kick it back this way. I run back that way. They kick it back this way. You know, I scored one goal in 11th, 12th grade, but it was for the other team. And so I thought I was passing it to the goalie. one time I kicked the ball well is when, you know, <laughs> I hate soccer. I couldn't get excited about leaving it all in the field. You know why? I didn't like the game. But when you love something, you're willing to just wear yourself out for that something. And I'll tell one story and I'll be done. Uh, I told you about Pastor Sakon and a number of these kids that were on that video are from his village. That village is about 30 kilometers away from where we were having church, and the roads are really, really bad getting out there. Many people are often 
run over by trucks and killed that are on bicycles or motos or walking. Uh, dangerous road. And uh, he would come in every Sunday on a little moped, 100 cc's, and uh, his teenage son, who's about 13, and his wife and one of his teenage daughters. And the other teenage daughter, he'd have to leave at home, and they'd rotate. He said he could only get four of them on that moto. Now, I've seen a lot of Cambodians get more than that, but he said he could only get four. And so the neighbor, Thierry, asked Sakan, said, Sakan, I want to go to church with you. And Sakan said, well, I can't add you to this mix. He felt already missing one week every three weeks, and he didn't want them to miss any more than that. They would have had to miss at least twice every month, and he, uh, he said no. So Thierry talked to Sakan's oldest daughter, Jenda, and Jenda agreed to ride her bicycle with Thierry 30 kilometers, 20 miles, into church on that rough road. I remember the first time they came, the two of them came to uh, church, and I saw them riding bicycles. I said, where did you guys come from? They said, our house. I'm like, wow, that's a long ways. Well, where are you going after church? We're going back home, Pastor. I'm like, you rode all the way in on your bikes just to go to church? Yeah. Wow. Thierry wasn't saved yet. My wife did a study with her, and she got saved after a couple weeks talking to her about who Christ is and stuff. And pretty soon, though, Thierry's younger siblings are riding bicycles in as well. And, and another neighbor near Sakan's house, we started, we had six to seven bicycles every Sunday with eight or nine people on those bicycles. And after a few months, probably six or so, I was in church and I was preaching and I, I was commending these young people in front of the whole church at what a, what a great sacrifice and, and making God, making church a priority enough that they're willing to ride their bicycles all the way in. After church, Jenda, Sakan's oldest daughter, she came to talk to me with tears in her eyes. She said, Pastor, thank you for mentioning uh, that we ride our bikes in and that's, you know, God's pleased with that. Thank you for mentioning that in church. And I started saying, no, I said, I am really excited. She said, wait, Pastor, I want to tell you, on the way in today, I told God, this is my last Sunday riding bike in. I told God, I'm not riding my bicycle anymore. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start riding my dad again. And uh, she said, but I know that God wants me to ride my bicycle in because, because I'm riding my bicycle in, other people in my village are riding their bicycles in too. And if I stop, some of them might stop too. But she said, Pastor, pray for me because every Sunday night, my legs hurt so bad. And on Monday, I feel like I can't walk. She said, some, some of them are, they're doing fine, but I, I hurt so bad. Every Sunday night, every Monday, I hurt so bad. But pray for me that I don't quit. You know, we can come up with excuses why we can't do something for the Lord. But, you know, they say character is measured by what it takes to stop you. But love is also measured by what it takes to stop you. Sometimes when we're tired or we're worn out, God asks us to do more or something else. And, you know, if we had to run across town literally with our legs and not our our vehicle, to get $1,000, I might be able to do it. 
If he told me it was ten dollars, I'd be like, that's not worth the hospital bill that's going to cost me. But for a thousand dollars, I might go do it. But you know, God wants us to be willing to wear ourselves out for Him and for lost souls, for the church. I'm, I think you should take care of yourself. I think you need to get rest. I think we need to be good stewards of the body God gave us. But it discourages me when people are willing to be flat out wore out for everything but God. Love God with all of your strength. Love God with all of your mind. Love God with all of your soul. Decide to follow him and follow through. Love God with all of your heart. Get excited about him. Show some emotion about the Lord. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for...